Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Hello and welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstadter. I'm the editor of the Valley Advocate, and I'm here today with Lauren Simmons, um, who is a writer. We had her write about uh, checking out modern cannabis as an old-time stoner. That was a great piece. We've got her back uh, looking at this issue of small business versus big cannabis. Um, And the title of your piece uh, cover story this week is Can Small Business Survive? In the world of big cannabis. Well, first of all, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be back. Yeah. Um, And can small business survive in the world of big cannabis? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) That's the question. Um, The short answer, I think, is yes, but it's it's really challenging. They face a lot of hurdles and require a lot of perseverance and drive to to get the job done. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, this is pretty new industry now, um, just legalized uh, in recreational form a couple years ago. And now it's, we're already at a point where, where big cannabis has taken over. Um, the, these big uh, multi-state operators have, have bought up places like Netta, which is across the street from The Advocate, um, uh, one of the, the main dispensaries around here. And uh, and all these small businesses are popping up, but they're having to compete with an already established, uh, 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 these already established big players. Right. I think one of the things that happened was, uh, you know, medical marijuana existed legally in the state, and there were medical dispensaries. And when the time came for adult recreational use, those dispensaries were given a head start. So they were already on the ground and playing, and they had the resources that in terms of money and and uh, lawyers and all that to get going and hit the ground running so they for example create their they create everything on site they grow it they extract the the oil they make the products and they sell the products on site so as uh, one of the uh, small business owners in the article mentioned uh, Kristen Mara she said they have their own pipeline set start to finish so what that does is it it leaves uh, small businesses uh, behind, significantly behind, trying to catch up. They face a lot of regulatory uh, hurdles. They face a lot of financial hurdles. And it's not to say that these hurdles don't exist for the big companies. They do. They still have to. They still have to abide by the rules. But but they have the money and the backing that can help them weather those those delays or the or pay the attorneys to handle the application process and that can just to do that alone can cost something like a hundred thousand dollars and that's just not money that small businesses have to to um, to to spend on that they've got a whole bunch of other things they need to spend their money on to make it happen and Kristen Marsh she is the owner or co-owner of um, Pioneer Valley Extracts is that right right what, what, she, do, they, what do they do she and her brother co-founded uh, Pioneer Valley Extracts and for 18 months they bootstrapped it and worked uh, worked it on the side she had a corporate job and he was running his own business and what they do what they will be doing once they they have a provisional license, so they can they can be up and working as if they're operational. In the meantime, to help 
pay the pay the rent. They've been making uh, CBD oil products, uh, tinctures for humans, tincture for pets, and a pain balm. And CBD, that's the um, that's the ingredient that's non uh, psychoactive. That's right. Uh, the in, the in difference cannabis. between the difference between CBD oil and THC and you know cannabis oil is the THC content. And if if a CBD is tested and it is above, I think zero point three percent THC, it's considered cannabis. So that's the only difference between a hemp plant and a marijuana plant is the is the amount of THC in it. So CBD oil in and of itself is not psychoactive. You can you can take it and it's not going to um, get you high or make you feel anything other than um, I'm not sure what <laughs> relaxed. Uh, people take it for a variety of things. Um, I I give it to my dog when uh, thunderstorms come. So it a helps, relaxing. Yeah, it helps her. It helps her. So so they're they're making CBD oil products, and once they get their final license from the state, they'll then be uh, manufacturing and extracting uh, THC based products and selling them on site or to other retailers. I believe. No. You had in here. I think this is. Uh, I think this is Pioneer Valley Extracts. They had to hold on to their business space for six months without being able, allowed to do anything with it um, while they were waiting for um, uh, a permit. They basically just had to pay rent for half a year. Right. So one of the things that has to happen when you apply for your uh, your marijuana license, and there are several different kinds, you apply to the cannabis, um, the CCC. Uh, yeah, the Cannabis Control Commission. Thank you, Cannabis Control Commission. And they're the governing body of the state. They don't require you, small businesses or any business, to have uh, a signed lease or a, or, a, or a title agreement on your location. You have to have a location, but they require a binding permission. So it may not be regulatory, but but it's moot. I mean, the fact of the matter is... Not many landlords are going to let you uh, say, yeah, you can have this space, and uh, it'll be six months before you get your license. Oh, no problem. They want, they want their rent. They yeah. have to be paid. And the other issue is that if you can't pay it, there's another company that's, that's coming along behind you that, that's working on getting its license, and they can pay it. So... I, I think one of, kind of... Maybe a, this is a bit of a step back, kind of looking at the... Um, the idea of this in general, but you know, kind of the way that you start this is why even why even bother seeking out small businesses? Why why isn't it a problem just to shop with the the big the big businesses? Right, and that's a fair question because you know Netta is a is owned by a, a multi-state company. Does that mean it's bad news to buy from Netta? No, I mean they they provide a lot of local jobs and and that and that's good, but it shouldn't be the only option. Uh, a thriving econ economy in, a, in an area depends both on larger companies and smaller companies. There are people who want to go to eat at McDonald's, but there are people who want a grass-fed burger, right? And so having the options to have that, and I'm not saying, before anybody gets all ruffled, I'm not saying that Netta is the McDonald's of, of cannabis, okay? <laughs> They're not. But The green arches. <laughs> the green arches. But I mean, there are realities of how of how cannabis is grown on scale and with synthetic nutrients to to bring a crop to fruition faster, uh, as opposed to sort of a more organic, slow grow, 
And there are people who prefer that, just like there are people who prefer organic farming and farm to table. Now, I might love the idea of, you know, rolling into the uh, River Valley market and picking up, you know, picking up a nice grass-fed steak, um, some craft beer, and maybe some craft marijuana, um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. And, you know, at some point, people have they the, 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 this... We talked about how new this industry is, and it is. It's like a Wild West right now. So it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. The CCC is doing its best to, to, to work with people. Uh, the entrepreneurs I spoke with said it's challenging, but, but they, they're good to work with. They, 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 they help, and they want to do better. And it's going to be up to uh, the industry players, the small, the large. It's also going to be up to consumers to help decide what, what kind of industry they want. And one of the points that's important is that every business that wants to o open a cannabis um, facility, whatever flavor, has to get a host community agreement. That means negotiating with a municipality's governing board. And uh, that's across the state. It, it varies. Some towns have banned uh, cannabis altogether. Other, others have really sort of uh, very strict and uh, challenging rules and regulations in place. Other, other townships have gotten in front of it, like Holyoke and East Hampton are very uh, welcoming, and they've done a lot of the, the, the groundwork to make it easier and more encouraging for businesses to, small businesses to get a foothold and to set up shop. Well, one of the really interesting zoning pieces of this, or municipal zoning pieces that... Um uh, is this one of the kind of ironies for a, a plant-based business like the marijuana industry is that a lot of towns have restricted their zoning to, I believe, just the, um, the business districts and not the agricultural districts. Right. It's commercial industrial. It's not... And that, cut, and that cuts farmers and farmlands out of the equation and out of the business. And... I, no one said this to me specifically, but it's my hunch is that, you know, it's out of a concern for keeping, keeping demon weed <laughs> out, <laughs> of, out of, stuff. Uh, yeah, keeping it contained in, in one area and where it can be controlled and housed and, and, and secured. And that may be true, but going back to Kristen Mara's point about uh, the dispensaries having the pipeline sewn up, Product in Massachusetts, meaning marijuana, the flower, the plant, uh, all the leaves that get, which is called trim, and they use that to express uh, and get oil. It's hard to come by. The product is scarce because people are growing it for their own for their own businesses. So they need more cultivators and they to produce it because if you get a retail license, where are you going to get the product? If you're if you're a manufacturer. Where are you going to get the product to manufacture the products that come from the oil? You need you need you need the the, the plants to do that, and that's why I think uh, I, I was really interested to talk to Eric Schwartz. He's the uh, co-founder of Bug Farm Farm Bug, sorry Farm Bug uh, Co-op, and they are he's working on developing a a co-op of cultivators across the state 
they can have up to 100,000 square feet of canopy. It doesn't have to be contiguous, right? So, uh, you know, you could have 10,000 square feet in Hatfield and uh, 5,000 square feet out, out in Peabody, you know. But that means going to each town, securing the location, securing the host agreement. And before they can even apply, before they can even submit their application, they have to have all those hosts' community agreements. They have to have all of their cultivators on the co-op on board. They have to write their bylines. They have to vote them on. And it's, it's, it's on and on and on. And all of these steps, um, they're important. You know, I don't think there's anybody who's going to say this shouldn't be regulated. It absolutely should be. But it's an onerous process right now, and that will evolve over time. And, mean, and meanwhile, I think, um, as you pointed out, the, the players that already have their, their growing kind of locked up these um, places that had been um, medicinal uh, providers already have their grow location set up. So they, they've already kind of gone through this process and have a, a head start. Right, right. So they're they're in full full swing production and they're expanding. Yeah, um, I think another piece. I, um, Frank Daly of uh, Boston Bud Factory, that's actually based in Holyoke, is another person you spoke to, and he had an interesting story about actually trying to get financing for his business, which is extremely difficult in the cannabis industry. Right. I mean, a small business going to get a, a small business loan is a challenge in any in any industry, but particularly this one because uh, cannabis is illegal on a federal level. So that means that the banks aren't willing to make loans to cannabis-related businesses. Or in Laura Hewitt's point, point, uh, case, they wouldn't even uh, open a, a, a business account for her business, which is legal on both state and federal level. Hemp oil is legal. She's, the, she's based in uh, Warren, correct? Warren. And, and what was her business? Uh, Hole in the wall skincare. So she makes CBD oil based skincare products. No hemp, um, no uh, marijuana involved at all. No cannabis at all. But she still can't get financing. So the banks are really itchy, and they're nervous. They don't want to be sanctioned by f federal regulators to uh, for 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 dealing with with drug money. Right. That's essentially uh, the, the issue. Yes. Right. And and even uh, I think you were pointing out even collateral based loans. When your your whole business gets taken away by the feds, then you don't have any collateral to to really right. Work it's with. not like they can come in and, and and swoop down and take your stash. You know your yeah. your hundred thousand square feet of canopy goes poof. It, no, they can't. So they're reluctant. It's changing. Uh, there are there are initiatives happening on the statewide level that would um, free up banks to to do business with uh, certified, licensed cannabis businesses. And on the federal level, there's the SAFE Act, which is um, legislation if Congress w will pass it. And that's, you know, a big if. If they pass it, then that will free up banks to work with their, uh, within states, to work with legal and licensed cannabis operators there. So eventually this will happen. It's, it's how long can small businesses hang on in the meantime? Uh, friends and family plan, or as in Kristen Mara's case, they found a, a, a partner who invested in them because they have their provisional license. And maybe I need to back up. What happens is you apply for your license through the CCC. And after they, you know, check all the boxes and make sure you've done all the inordinate amount of paperwork and, and pr preparation, they will issue you what's called a provisional license. At that point, 
that's when you can start to build out your facility, whether it's uh, a manufacturing facility, uh, a grow facility, or a retail facility. You can start to build it. And then you can start to buy all the equipment. And her, her security system was $30,000. Frank's extractor, the, the machine that takes the oil out of either hemp or marijuana plants, is $90,000. Mm. So these aren't, these, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, vast amounts of money, but it's a lot of money for a small business to have to put out this outlay. And the kicker is, when you get your provisional license, you have to be up and operational without being operational. So it's an as-if situation. And once you are up and as if you could be running, then the state inspects, gives you your final state inspection, and will determine whether or not you can go and do it. And I asked Kristen whether she had heard of any instances where someone had a provisional license and that was rejected by the state, and she had not. And she just assumed, she, her assumption was that they would work with you and saying, well, on this point, you need X, Y, and Z. And so it's not like a, you could do all this work and they shut you down cold. Yeah. Despite that, I mean, you're painting a, a pretty uh, difficult, like a picture of a pretty difficult time for, for these uh, small businesses to even get operational. And that's to say nothing about uh, advertising and actually being a successful business, which I assume is also something that is on, on their minds. What, you know, what do you think that, um, what role do you think consumers can play in, in if they want to be supporting these small cannabis businesses, what can they do? Well, I think one of the things that's really important is to talk to your local municipality. Find out what their stance is on bringing a cannabis industry to your town because they're all over the board. You can't, you can't make an assumption. So You're talking about the, um, the people, the, the, the right. town leaders. You're, you're, whether it's your city council, your town council, your selectmen, whatever board, governing board in your town or community is, talk to them. See where they stand. Where are they in the process? How, how much of this do they understand? How small business friendly are they? And does that include small business cannabis friendly? Uh, make your feelings known. If this is something that you, that's important to you, I mean, how often do you get a chance to see a new industry appear. This is this is this is uh, this is a really interesting time. If in and, and it, it has the potential to um, bring a lot of money to the state, to the communities. So I think it's I think it's valid. And there, uh, there are going to be some people who, who who don't think this should be legal. That there's always going to be that. But if if you want if you value local craft goods quality goods, you know who your farmer is, you know where your food's coming from, you, know, you care about supporting the local businesses in your communities and seeing a thriving economy, this is one way that you can affect the business. Go talk to your, um, your uh, local governing boards, find out where they stay, where they stand, tell them what you want to see, and when those shops do come to town, support the local businesses. Go to the small guys. It's important. Um, well, Lauren Simmons, thank you so much for um, for that. Pe for you know, can small business survive in the world of, of big cannabis? I think we're gonna. I think part of it is gonna. We're gonna see how it how it all goes out. But thanks, thanks for coming in and chatting. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to anytime. There are so many stories out there. It'll be interesting to see how everything unfolds. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Thank you.
Thank you.